and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Choo-choo is that time of the week where the train pulls up at Central. It's Central here. It's the GOAT David Campbell back again like a renegade master ready to talk about the week that was in the world of professional wrestling. Don't forget, you can check out on Tuesdays. I know I've got the day right this time because I made sure I was going to. You can check out our feature shows. They look to the dark side of the ring. For the most part, it's a very depressing episode. I'm not going to lie to you. I would never do that. But Stephen gets very excited about the brawl for all. So that's that makes it that makes it worth it for me. <laughs> Go check out Saturday Draft Live. I am back for a limited time only while Scott McCoy goes on vacation. Uh, so you can go and check me out on that. Go and check out the YouTube shows. Book it. Yeah, we've got uh, Quiz Showdown. The new Quiz Showdown's coming out as well, which is always fantastic. Everything produced by the wonderful, the fabulous, the fantastic Daniel Campbell over there. And of course, East Meets West, a show which I will host sooner rather than later. I'm joined today by one of the best, longest serving panellists here at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. It is the big dog, Alan McLucas. I'm back! Alan, how are you? I am good. I have returned from my ex the most hated man in podcasting. We don't have to use as back. I am ready to put a few things straight. Ooh. I'm really happy to be here, my friend. How are you? I'm fantastic. The most hated man in podcasting. I didn't know you were Jim Cornette. That's that's news to me. Jim Cornette has got nothing on me. Just look <laughs> at the group chat, you'll see. <laughs> Are you doing this? This is a training day. Is this like Denzel and training day right now? Like, you think you're going to do this to me? King Kong ain't got shit on me. Is that, that's what this feels like. I rewrote the textbook. TM, it's coming out. It's called How to Shit in Your Day and Smile About It. Well, listen, listen. If, if this continues, I think Alan might be getting his release, which is funnily enough, because a lot of WWE superstars managed to get their release last week from the company it was an exodus alan an absolute exodus uh, that went on last uh, last week uh, just off the bat were you surprised we got the postmania release considering the pr around it last year no the only part i was genuinely surprised about it was a year to the day mm-hmm. that was just the only thing that took me by surprise so everyone kind of knew it was coming i thought that they smacked in it the way before they did it i was kind of yeah. expecting it at the weekend or maybe before Raw on the Monday, but I was quite surprised it's on the anniversary. Well, we're going to run through some of the names here one by one, and by far the biggest name that got released was Samoa Joe. The man has been a veteran of the wrestling business for years upon years now, clear stretching back to TNA, Ring of Honor, joined WWE, former NXT champion, former United States champion. The man had just called WrestleMania, we seen him with our own eyes in a rain poncho and a suit. He was there at the biggest show of the year the night before, very prominent role, released not long after. Alan, what are your thoughts on the release of Samoa Joe? Humongous mistake. Massive mistake. Yeah. The guy has been the top guy or in the mix of the top guys in every single company he's worked at. And you know, he never got the opportunities where we I don't know if it's down to injuries. But yeah. he was quite injured a lot. But what he lacked in maybe being able to perform, he more than made up for in commentary. His commentary was sensational. He was Michael Cole, just as Eric, let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 
he just he made up for it in the commentary. He was really insightful, really interesting. He's charismatic. You know, I he's just brilliant. I've been following some more Joe. Not so much Ring of Honor, but from uh, TNA and things. Mm-hmm. And I remember him and Angle and the, the rivals they had. Or him and AJ. You know, even him and Bobby Roode and James Storm. Yeah. There's some of the rivalries he's been involved in that were epic. And it's just absolutely tragic. He never got that opportunity in WWE. And it's going to bite him. This one will definitely bite him in the backside. You know, going back to what you said about the commentary there, I don't think you can fake when someone has a genuine excitement for what they're seeing. You know, say what you will about JBL, but it was always the thing I liked about JBL in commentary was they genuinely sounded excited when something comes up. It was the same for Corey Graves, and I criticise like you've got the addition of Adnan Burke to the commentary team ahead of Tom Phillips. I think that's a mistake. Yes, maybe a more seasoned broadcaster, but that doesn't make good results in terms of a WWE <coughs> commentator. And I think that's what you had with Samoa Joe. The man, as you said, Alan, the word there was insightful. He knew exactly what he's talking about because he lived it. The question here is do you think this is a case of WWE or like we have no use for Joe because we can't see a company WWE made mistakes but surely they can't be that clueless do you think this is a dispute behind the scenes with Joe saying if you're not going to let me wrestle I'm going to go and wrestle somewhere else I do I think that's what's came to because apparently backstage would love on commentary everyone was revered I generally think that's what it is I totally agree with you everything else you said as well about JBL and all that is I think it's because he's desperate to perform and it's, they're just not letting him. And I think I said in our group chat as well, I think the WWE medical team have got issues because look at going back, Edge, Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns. Yes, there was time you thought, yes, that's them. They might not come back, but then Edge and Daniel Bryan were trying, but told no. And now look at them, they're back because they went and got that second, third, fourth opinion and got to improve them wrong. Yeah. And WWE have just shot themselves in the foot and I, I fully suspect him to go either back to Impact and be the top guy or he'll be one of the top guys in AEW. I, I would I would propose something else. I've seen that Grant McRobbie is a... Like, Grant was ready to write him a, a New Japan contract himself the other day in the chat. He was like, get Samoa Joe in the G1. And I definitely... The injury-prone stuff maybe makes me think that does he want to go to Japan where it's a harder uh, style... You know, if he does have these injury problems, but Alan Samoa Joe in Japan would really elevate that company even further uh, in the standings internationally. I absolutely couldn't agree more. Samoa Joe would be amazing. I do tell you doubts whether he could physically do like the G1, but even if he comes back for like a couple matches like Jericho did with Omega, something yeah. like that, that is just, that'd be class. He'd what? be absolutely sailed through it. You've named Omega there. We won't do this for everyone because everyone's not on the same level as Samojo. With all due respect to everyone on this list, but outside of WWE, now he's been released. Who is a person apart from Kenny Omega? Because you've set him now. You've 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 shown your cut. You're showing your cards too early there, Alan. Who would you like to see Samojo have a match against? Oh, uh, well, I think I don't actually think about it. Um, I'm gonna say Kenny Omega for TNA, but. He was more of a mid-lower level guy, and now he's kind of a main event guy. Eric Young and him could be quite good to their personalities in the microphone. He could build a really good story. They could actually put a good match together as well, I, I believe. I do really like that one. I am going to suggest something. I think he works well against smaller guys. We've seen his matches against AJ Styles. Uh-huh. I think if you had the bastard pack, 
uh, is that he, <laughs> against Samoa Joe, that would be something that I would, I would definitely be tuning in for that one. That would be because the styles would clash so well with those two, I think. That's all like a wet dream. That is that just sounds amazing, honestly. <laughs> it's, like, it's like that's just take my money. Just there you go, take it. Well, from your wet dream, Alan, to Jack Graham's, we are, of course, going to be talking about Billy Kay. Uh, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, the Australian duo previously known as the Iconics, released from WWE. When we look at the stories of Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, Alan, I think it's safe to say that the biggest mistake WWE made was splitting these girls up. Would you agree with that? 100%. Why, why split them up and then put you know, Billy with someone else in a tag team? And then just say you're going to build the cup, the women's division in pain, and don't use her. Mm-hmm. Why? Yep. Why? Yep. And I think it's I think it's a case of WWE thinking, oh, this is going to be an idea. They drop it two weeks later. So you look at that tag team, and you thought. Billy Kay might have been the Genetti, but it ended up being the other way around. Billy Kay had this program, the resume stuff, trying to find a tag team partner, uh, and she made uh, she made chicken salad from chicken shit over in SmackDown. Like they made the most of every second air time she was on. That is what WWE superstars are told they have to do with the little air time. Make yourself noticed, make yourself known, make yourself over. Billy Kay did that, and yet still was told that, no, that's not enough, you're getting released. Like, I, I don't understand that, Alan. D- particularly Peyton Royce, very good in ring, but Billy Kay, in terms of a co- comedy character, there was more room to grow with her in WWE, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. My, I mean, if we go back to the Royal Rumble, right, women, both of them were very, very good, especially the women's, and had a great finish, but my highlight of the actual Royal Rumble match was when Billy Kay went out, went to commentary, handed out a CV, trying to get a CV to a part to go and help her. She was yeah. fantastic, she was really, really good, and <laughs> you, you got your belly chuckle. Yes, you know she's not technically the best, so she's not going to maybe be the best entertainer in the ring, but see what her overall package with the, the comedy and the charisma. She was yeah. brilliant, and if you could have Santino in the company for the best part of 10 years, kind of doing something like that, surely you could have done it Billy Kay. And what I don't understand, Alan, as well, is... And I don't mean to bash other people in the company, but there are other women <coughs> in that company who would have been well up there in my release list before both of the Iconics. You look at Peyton Royce cutting that promo, promo of her life in Raw Talk a couple of weeks ago as well, trying to put herself over. You look at their performances, Elimination Chamber, ran that for a wee bit. Win at WrestleMania, huge pop when they when they won the women's tag team titles. The moment in Australia and Melbourne, these girls did everything that they were told to do. They were asked to do and more in WWE. And I, I, I don't under this is the one that sings the most for me. If you couldn't tell, because I've been an ardent supporter of the Iconics for so long, and I hope that they put. I hope WWE eat their words on this one more than any other because these girls are insane and we we also have some more women to talk about alan it's a case of the past it's a case of potentially the future mickey james and chelsea green both released from wwe do you think this was maybe the right call out of the two of them who would you say um is going to prove wwe wrong the most do you think at this point in their career um i think probably chelsea Um, chelsea has been absolutely riddled of injuries yeah and it's I can see why they've, they've given up two, three years, it's not worked. No, you kind of, you kind of hope that they do scenario. You're yeah. not working out, go prove me wrong. And I really hope they come to that. Um, I do think there is an issue of ageism when it comes to women's wrestling. And that's totally. what they did with Mickey James. Because Mickey's still got it, she can still go. 
you know, she's right about Trish Stratus's age. Trish Stratus showed you could still go with Charlotte Flair. Charlotte yep. Flair never carried on that match. I totally. believe Mac- and Mickey's got no problem putting anyone over. I just think I've looked at him like you're too old now. And you're a mother. You're not, you're, not, you're not really there. You're more that cutting edge, which I think is absolute bollocks. Apparently, um, Bruce Pritchard hates Nick Aldis, her husband. Um, and apparently the feud stems from that. So when Bruce came in, Nikki, there was behind the scenes rumours that Nikki sort of knew her days were up, if that makes sense, which is even bigger bullshit. You know what I mean? I think I'm actually, I'll probably disagree with you slightly because Nikki now seems to have a beer in her bonnet, so to speak. You know, I could see Nikki, uh, Nikki going and joining Nikki in NWA, you know, and maybe helping the women's division out there, helping it grow a reputation in that brand up as well. Chelsea Green, it just seems to be. She seems to be the Owen Hargreaves of wrestling, Alan. You know, this this girl is never no injured. You know, like it doesn't send her in good said. Her reputation sort of precedes her at this point. Unfairly, maybe I'm perpetuating something that's unfair, but it does feel like that to me. Hopefully, maybe she goes on to do bigger and better things. We've seen her. She was at the first the sort of precursor AEW took part in a fatal four way in that pay per view. If memory serves me right, so maybe she goes and does something there. Maybe she goes and joins her husband Matt Cardona. Any potential destination you see for Chelsea Green? I, I think going back to Impact. I think that's probably. I mean, Impact's women's roster is stacked. They've got this real talent there. Yeah. Um, if she can stay injury free, she's just going to help escalate that and make it better, more competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's just the injury thing. If she can avoid getting injured, maybe it's a case you might have to change her wrestling style slightly. Yeah. Um, to maybe adapt to that. But I do think, you know, again, I'm trying to have a good ageism. I just felt Chelsea kind of had a better chance because age is on her side, she's a lot younger. And if she potentially does heal, does be, again, adapt to wrestling style slightly, she could end up being back at WWE if she wanted to and end up being kind of like the new Charlotte or Becky, one of the top women up there. Yeah, they did seem to have this push for her, an NXT run. Robert Stone brand, I'd argue, ended too quickly. I thought there was more to that that could have been yeah. done. She did seem like someone who would benefit from a mouthpiece. Apparently, they were going to do a repeat at one point of the, funnily enough, the Trish Mickey storyline with Mickey and Chelsea. Uh, they were going to, you know, sort of move that forward and it was going to be Chelsea who was going to play the stalker this time to Mickey James, which could have been interesting, you know, Mickey, you know, in the reverse role so that she was earlier in her career at WrestleMania 22. But to end this off, we did, Alan, have a clear out of the 24-7 division, essentially, over in WWE. Uh, Tucker got released, Kalisto got released, Bo Dallas got released, Mojo Rawley got released, and finally, Wesley Blake got released. Out of these five, Alan, who do you think is going to prove WWE wrong the most? Who could you see maybe doing a Drew McIntyre and getting back to the company bigger and better than ever one day? I think Kalisto. I think Kalisto has more options available to him. He could potentially go back to Lucha Underground, Chuck away. Again, they do have a, a sort of bracket for that in the AEW. Yeah. It's also got it in the impact as well. I think you could go and I don't think it's ever going to be a main event. I don't think you're going to see like the guys of Rey Mysterio size winning all the big shots again. I'd, yeah. I'd happily stand wrong in that, but I don't see it happening. But I think Kalisto could certainly go to any other company and certainly be, you know, a good mid carder at least. Hmm. He could work well on a tag team, but I'd, I'd say he's the one with the most potential. 
totally talk about Callisto moments in WWE I still remember the Selena Del Sol uh, on one of the Usos through a ladder uh, at TLC all those years ago if you remember yep. that moment the man the man could go you know the man had it in his arsenal for whatever reason whether it be gimmick not being in the right place at the right time change of character not coming at the right time sort of confused booking I think it's probably a combination of all those things that affected Callisto's career but like you say <laughs> the man the, the world's never you know short for looking for popular luchadors and Callisto's definitely up there my pick for this though is going to be Tucker Allen that may surprise you but I think out of all the people who have been screwed over by the pandemic era because we talked about Bailey and Asuka rising as stars of this empty arena era you look at Edge with the promos Tucker needed needed fans to be there when he turned to notice he mm -hmm. needed that reaction that could have elevated Tucker to a star you look at Tucker Elimination Chamber who were people talking about that night it was Tucker the big dive off the pod a man has size him doing that are you kidding me on you know, I think Tucker's got a lot more in his arsenal to show. I would love Tucker to go somewhere, become this big heel. I can see him wearing a suit, you know what I mean? Like, just a just big, bad, rough, tough, <coughs> old-school bad guy. You know, I think is what Tucker should reinvent himself as. Hit the gym, get your look better. I think Tucker could come back to WWE one day bigger and better than ever. Am I wrong for saying that, Alan? Oh, I mean, I think you're absolutely spawning. I think he's got a lot of work to do. But he could, but I think what could potentially start that whole situation is Jericho's publicly come out and asked for an interview with him. Nice. So if that goes ahead and we get to hear what's actually said, again, that could totally turn people's opinions on him and potentially, you know, you could tell AEW, for example, could be like, was that what they did? Right, that's fine, and I want, I'll take a punt you. Come on over oh, here then, we'll put you against, I don't know. You know well, I know he's not called Jack Swagger, but Jack Swagger and all that over there. Oh, I can imagine. I would love to see him in that bodyguard role. Maybe AEW because you got the likes of Wardlow and, like you said, Jack Swagger, Jake Hager over there. Maybe they've got too many of those types of big men over there, but definitely Tucker. Like maybe showing up in Impact Wrestling again would be a nice place to really uh, reinvent himself. Uh, even going further afield, touring. Uh, maybe he could be an ICW import, uh, which is a show that is going to be the next feature show this coming Tuesday on ESSR. See how we did that? A professional as always, Alan, on this show. You know what Smooth I mean? Smooth me. Smooth Everything's linked. Everything's linked. And, uh, one, one thing, you know, me and you both know about taking breaks and coming back. Batista isn't doing any such thing, my friend, apparently. He's not joining us in that boat. He is saying he's retired and he's completely done. This comes in an interview he was doing because uh, he was asked if he's returning. He said, don't put that out there. People will jump all over that he's coming out of retirement no I'm not it's so hard to convince people that I'm actually retired you have no idea how tough that discussion is when a professional wrestler retires they don't really retire they kind of retire if the paycheck or event is big enough <laughs> cough cough Saudi, Sean Michael Saudi Arabia uh, they'll come out of <laughs> retirement it's just not that way with me I exit the business in such a storybook way I could never go back I'm just done I got to finish my own terms and nothing is going to bring me back and take away from that uh, first of all, Alan, what do you think of these comments from Batista? He is right in what he says about wrestling retirements. Are you happy to see him, you know, stick to his guns on this one? Do you believe him? Do you think this is sincere, what Batista is saying? Yeah, if you retire, retire. You know, if you take like the edge of Daniel Bryan out of the equation because it was taken away from him. But guys that can go out in their own way, if they're going to retire, do it. Mm -hmm. Just actually stick to it. I mean, he's got offers right, left and centre in Hollywood. 
I mean, I read an article today um, that apparently he's met with the head of Warner Bros. and he said, I'm being put in the Batman. Do you know what happened? That was, that was, I think that might have been before he was Drax. Too. I think that, because he, I think he did that years ago. Right. And it, it just shows, like, how much of a get up and go attitude Batista has, though. You know, he'd be I mean? perfect for it. He'd be brilliant because there's very few yeah. guys that size with a look could do it. He'd be sensational. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think it would be the last of a seal in WWE or wrestling. I could see him coming by, you know, on a legend show or something like, mm. per, you know, if his diary permits or maybe when he's a bit older, he could potentially do a manager, become a manager for a new up and comer, but I don't see him ever wrestling again. I think he's kept his word and it's not a case of needing the money. No, he doesn't need it. He's no. a multi, multi millionaire. He's in practically everything that you know. Yep. He's been in James Bond. He's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm. You know, he was in uh, well, I'm trying to think other movies. Well, he's the done. best one for me, I remember it was Blade Runner 2049. That's the very one I was looking that, for. That I watched him in. And the, the thing about Batista, he says he's not a movie star. I don't want to be a movie star. I want to be an actor. You know, I, I, I believe Batista on that, and I think he's good enough, you know, so that's why I'd probably agree with you. I can't see him in a rush to come back to WWE any time. He's desperate to do a rom com, and he's yeah. because he's physique, he's getting nobody's taking him a chance. Give the guy a chance. He'd be so good in a rom com because he has I, that sensibility. Like, I think, you know, he's so funny. Like, he's ridiculously <laughs> funny when given the chance. His next big project is going to be uh, Dune, which obviously yes. been pushed back. He's uh, got Timothy Chalamet in that. Uh, Jason Momoa, Zendaya, a lot of big names, big stars, Denis Villeneuve, the director of the Blade Runner 2049 doing that one, so obviously, you know, enjoyed working uh, with Batista on that. If, let's play devil's advocate here though, Alan, because we're convinced that he's never coming back. If Dave Batista was to come back, who would you book him against? Uh, I think he has to go against Orton. Nice. If Orton was looking for a retirement match, he'd have to go Batista Orton. Nice, sort of the evolution. You know, lineage yeah. there continuing with it. I do, I do like that. I do like that. Yeah, that's probably. Uh, yeah, I can't really think of anyone else that I'd like. I'd I know, like I know that's what Orton would want. I know what Orton would want. He wants Cena. Yeah, totally. Tail, but I, I think if that would be a good alternative. I would pay to see that. Yeah, I'm trying to think like a new star Batista could go up against, like Batista, Batista against the likes of uh, Finn Balor could be interesting. You know, I think, you know, so there's a lot of potential matches for Batista. The one thing that struck me about this story, he said I had a storybook ending. And I was like, really? Like, it wasn't that good. I mean, it was good, you know, but it wasn't it wasn't that good. You know, I thought like it was a, it was quite a good last match, but it wasn't it wasn't Shawn Michaels or Rick Flair or anything like that. You know, I mean, fair play. I'm not going to I'm not going to take the piss out of Dave Batista because the guy could batter me, uh, certainly. But. <laughs> Uh, he is a celebrity who won't be coming back to WWE. Stephanie McMahon wants more celebrities in WWE. That's a story coming out. Uh, Stephanie McMahon was a guest on the Rich Eisen show. Um, and she's saying that she wants more celebrities. She says, absolutely, from an athletic perspective, I would love to see the Williams sisters come in either individually or together. She also says, from a celebrity standpoint, uh, in addition to the ones we already work with, I think it'd be really cool to work with Cardi B. Um, and then she says, I think they're going in a completely opposite direction. Matthew McConaughey has been really catching on in terms of WWE. He was on Monday Night Raw to promote his book, uh, and he and Drew had an interaction that led to something else in the platform. So, Alan, out of those four names mentioned, both Williams sisters, Cardi B, Matthew McConaughey, as a wrestling fan, who would you most like to see uh, make a wee run in the WWE? I would love to see Serena. 
Nice. I'd like to see her go after the likes of Nia Jax and Tamina. Because oh. she is so strong. Mm-hmm. She's, she's probably the strongest female tennis player. And to see her go against the sort of big women in wrestling, and yeah. I don't mean that in a rude way, they're the taller ones, the stronger ones. To see her go toe to toe with them, I think it'd be really good considering right now there's a big taller but people were saying to me they should get a push after WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. So I think I would like to see that. But I think she could also do a good job with the likes of uh, you know, Sasha, Bailey or you know, anything. I think she could I think she's probably the most athletic at the four of them that could probably do a good job and get a couple of good matches out of her. Totally. You're, you're right. But Cardi B, I think, you know, if we go back to what made WWE great in the attitude, you know, it was the unpredictability factor. And I think that's what Cardi B would bring with her. <laughs> if she was to make a run in the WWE, she would just be a complete loose cannon. A complete loose cannon. But you see why, Alan, that they're, they're wanting to do this. I mean, Randy Orton spoke out very personally on the success that he thought Bad Bunny had coming in he's named him basically the best celebrity performer of all time, he says in my book he's earned his spot as one of the boys so they're really looking for someone to do what Bad Bunny did in terms of complete dedication and respect for the business when they come in Yeah, absolutely, I mean let's be honest, out with the US very few people have ever heard of Bad Bunny mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm, I still am not a fan of Booker T so don't like it, right? <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of the style of music. I prefer rock music. If it's no good guitar, I'm not interested, sort of thing. <laughs> but the guy kept the storyline going, you know, and the fact that he's prepared for like his three and a half million dollar Bugatti get wrecked, you know, right. that kind of shows confidence that he's got plenty to do with the company. And then, you know, I didn't have high hopes for this match at WrestleMania. And I'm very glad he proved me wrong. And it was one of the best matches of the weekend. It was highly entertaining. Um, as we said, probably as well, big pops to Miz and Morrison because they supported him. At times you can see he was a wee bit tired, they carried him, but yep. he didn't look out of place. He looked really well done and he's earned his spots on him because I know that he'll be in the Hall of Fame one year. Definitely. But he's, but he's earned it because he went toe to toe with, you know, I know Miz isn't technically one of the best, but mm-hmm. Morrison is, and Miz is regarded as probably the safest wrestler going to match with because he's never been injured. So, and the legacy they both have. You know, it speaks volumes. Very few don't want to sell a match like Miz either. You know, that's, I think that's, that's important when it comes to having a celebrity coming in. Miz could sell a match against fucking his wife, you know, if he wanted to. Um, and we'd all, be, we'd all be invested in it and we'd all think it was the best thing in the card. Because uh, that's what Miz does. Um, out with, we know you, I know you're a rock fan, uh, Alan, so out with Richie Sambora or someone like that. What celebrity <laughs> that's not been mentioned so far would you like to see come in and, and do the graps in the WWE? Who do you think would fit the oh bill? Oh my God, what a bloody question you ask. Uh, do you know what? I would like to see either Chris Hemsworth or Chris Evans come in. Ooh. They've got the look, the physique. They've done a lot. They did do all their own, uh, yeah. you know, stunts and so forth. But they did do a good chunk of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I would like to see one of the two go toe to toe with a nice, I don't know, Sheamus or uh, even Damien Priest, something like that. I think you can get the big. They're big guys, they're strong, they've got the looks, they've got the charisma. I'm assuming they'll be able to cut promos because they're actors, you need yeah. that assumption. Um, I think they could be quite interesting, one of the two. I think that I'm going to cheat a wee bit because this woman has 
kind of dipped or so in the world of wrestling before. I'm going to go with Florence Pugh. Uh, if you watch her baking videos on Instagram, the woman is sensational. She's going to be playing Black Widow's sister in the new Black Widow movie. Of course, famous for her role as Paige uh, in Fight With My Family. But I, I genuinely believe that Florence Pugh uh, could bring something really quirky and really interesting uh, to WWE if she was to dip her toe in that water. That's a good shout, actually. That's a very good shout. I like Florence Pugh, man. She, she, uh, th- there was a moment in the new Black Widow trailer she, where she just completely so patient in the movie. She was like, it's, it was real to me. You know, I was like, oh, I'm fucking, she's so good. She's so great. Such a good actress. Um, a pregnancy has happened. Uh, the baddest baby on the planet is coming, Alan. Uh, Ronda Rousey has announced her pregnancy first and foremost. Uh, get our congratulations from ESSR go to Ronda and her husband Travis Brown. Um, like this has been alluded to on the likes of Total Divas uh, that she'd been wanting to have a baby for a long time and start a family and settle down. Um, just asking your opinion on this. Do you think this is probably signals the fact that Ronda Rousey? It's never going to come back for a full-time run in WWE again. Uh, full-time, I agree. I don't think she'll ever come back for a full-time. Part-time, yeah. I would be surprised if we've seen her at some point in 2022. Because um, her and Becky need to get that one-on-one match. They need right. to have that. The battle of the mums. <laughs> we need that. Next tag. Next tag, we're grabbing the baby. Tag, I'll get it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but congratulations to her. Um, I know she's been trying for a while now. Uh, it's great that it's finally happened, and you know, it's a new year, baby. Speaking from experience, totally one hundred. <laughs> 100%, 100% is what's happened there. Um, I do have to say, I think WWE will have been eyeing Ronda Becky for SummerSlam, perhaps. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they change track now. I, of course, drafted Becky in the draft this season because I was drafting for last. I just thought, fuck it, you know, like, let's just let's just see what happens when last round pick a Becky Lynch. So if it's not happening with Ronda, I'll be interested to see when Becky comes back. Do you have any predictions for what the story with Becky will be when she comes back? Oof, um, I, th- I think she's got to go after the Raw Women's title because she never lost it. I think that's going to be it. So I think she's probably going to go after Rhea. I think that would be a cracking rivalry. Oh. Um, really good. If she doesn't go after Rhea, I can see her maybe going after Asuka because she's had to forfeit it to Asuka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she could go after Asuka. Um, we will discuss the ongoing situation with the Raw Women's Division in just a little bit, so a hang fire there. Uh, on SmackDown, I could see a match with Bailey, you know, or Sasha. Uh, another four-host women rivalry I think would be pretty good. Just depends what the brand they decide to put Becky on this time around. Uh, but we need, to, it's that time of the week where we're going to talk about the weekly shows. Now we have Dynamite tonight. Uh, we record this on a Wednesday, so we're going to be talking about last week's Dynamite. Um, AEW Dynamite uh, obviously featured Alan a World Tag Team Championship match. It pit the Young Bucks against Pac and Ray Phoenix Death Triangle. What were your thoughts on that one? Did you manage to catch any of that tag team title match? Uh, I've not seen the whole show, but I've seen that match. I thought it was a very, very good match. It ain't five stars. Mm-hmm. The Young Bucks have had better matches uh, in AEW, but it was a very, very good match. I've watched again for weekly television. That was, you know, I thought got five stars on TV, but I mean, I can accept that, but five stars in wrestling or paper and you stand up, no. It was a very, very good match, so thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, totally. And we also had a debut on that show. Um, British boxer Anthony Ogogo made his in-ring debut, managed by QT Marshall. I just need to ask you, Alan, 
everyone in the pod has a negative opinion it seems on QT Marshall I'm quite neutral in QT Marshall like because I just think eh, I'm not really invested but he doesn't like fill me with hatred or ire like where do you stand on QT? I'm kind of like I said I don't hate the guy but I don't go out my way to watch him do you know what I mean? If, he's, it's like, if, if he had a match coming on, it'd probably be the toilet break. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but, you know, they've obviously got the, the same set to look, give him a chance, give me something to try and work with. And do you know what? If he fails, he fails, at least he tried. If he doesn't and it works, then fair play to the guy. Yeah, totally. And Andy, I go, go, I think he has a great look, great personality, good charisma. Uh, rocks a turtleneck better than Andy Mitchell or myself ever could. Oh, um, I mean, that's a bold statement about Andy Mitchell. <laughs> Scottish <laughs> Fraser. Oh, I don't agree with that. <laughs> No, I'm looking at this photo, he has Andy Beat, man, he just has the style, he has that pop, you know, I mean, he has that fucking pop that we're talking about when it comes to, comes to style. In ring, it wasn't that impressive squash match, you know, we need to see uh, what he can do uh, going forward after that. Um, obviously, we've seen Jericho versus Harwood, shenanigans, people getting knocked out of ringside. Um, what, what's your what's your thoughts on the inner circle versus pinnacle rivalry as a whole and obviously the 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 involvement of Mike Tyson screams to me that they're going to do another DX style turn uh, like they did at Mania with Austin and Michaels back in the day is that do you see this one going in that way it's very good very potential yeah I mean Jericho's arguably the most charismatic wrestler in the history of the business. He knows when he cuts something, he knows when he starts something. He just he's on point with everything. I know a lot of people are very against MGF. Um, like Steve said, he can't wrestle. I disagree. He can wrestle, but he's not. He's like he's not a technical. He's not a great wrestler, but he is on point with mics and promos. So the two of them being the mouthpieces kind of keep you intrigued, kind of keep the story going. It allows the other guys who are technically better to excel in the ring, like the Sammy Guevara. Um, we are looking at. I don't know. Probably. But well, you we'll look at tag teams. Yeah. Just the tag teams alone within that, they are. That's just awesome matches potentially there. But there's a bit of something for everyone. Uh, my only hope is they don't drag it out too long. Mm-hmm. I don't because obviously EW do pay-per-views every quarter. I don't want, you know, two pay-per-views worth on this because I think it will drag and it will lose its impact on it. No pun intended. At least get it to one of the pay-per-views and get it to finish. It's got real potential you want, and that is quite intriguing to watch. Yeah, totally. And obviously we've seen Chris Statlander return as well, the Mad Alien, uh, Darby Allen retaining the TNT title uh, against Matt Hardy. Elsewhere on the show, it looks as if that the Bucks are kind of back with Kenny Callis again. Like, the Bucks seem to just do eeny, meeny, miny, moe as to whether they want to be face heel, who they're with, what's really happening this week. What's, what's your opinion on this, the story with the Young Bucks and, and co it's kind of intriguing because, as you say, one minute they're healed, next minute they're face. And they are trying to keep you on the end of your, the edge of your seat, but that only works for so long. I think they're probably only about a month of it before it starts to be like, God, you just pick. You know, yeah. you start to be with it. Um, I do think they're going to go heel. I think mm-hmm. they're going to side with Kenny. Um, but it's, it's been interesting because be it's, it's like the hangman, when you think they kind of learn the hangman, that's teasing with the elite as a heel, as a face, and they kind of died a death. Mm-hmm. And frankly, Hangman's managed to research himself in the Dark Order, so if they're going to learn from any mistakes, learn from what they did with Hangman, don't drag it out this long. But I think 
it really is incredible how the elite like do the booking, but yet they can't book themselves for shit apart from Kenny Omega and now Hangman. You know what I mean? Like it's it's really to me it's a bit baffling. The Young Bucks, I, I just don't get it. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Good, good in ring, I just I just don't get them. You know? Yeah. They've got the rest of the team, they should know. I mean, I remember reading just after the company started and we started doing weekly shows, the Bucks said, we'll not be tag team champions so everyone else has been tag team champions. Newsflash, I mean, teams are not being tag team champions and they're the tag champs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How Kenny long Omega. do they get, get to hold them? Exactly. You know what I mean? Kenny Omega says something different. He's the third of a champion. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're not really selling that really. I mean, the hangman to be the only one that's kind of like, I'm not ready to be champion until, you know, black yeah. all people and I've got a bit of story or whatever. He's the only one kind of seen true to form with mm-hmm. what he kind of said. But I agree, they're, they're fantastic athletes, but they're really crap at booking. And it's, it's shocking because I don't know they've got the wrestling brain and how they did so well in Japan. And they had a part to play in that with the booking. Yeah, I just totally. can't seem to nail it in the head in AEW. Totally. Someone whose face heel dynamics are not screwed at all is uh, the head of the table, Roman Reigns. Successful defence against uh, Edge and Daniel Bryan, pinning both of them at WrestleMania. Ah, and it looks as if it's going to be Cesaro who's going to be challenging Roman uh, maybe in the future. Uh, Cesaro comes out to confront him at the start of the show and before he can even say anything, uh, Roman's just left the ring. She's got, he's gone. Later in the show, Paul Heyman's like, okay, you'll get a match against the main event, Jey Uso, later in the show. Uh, Cesaro wins by uh, disqualification because Rollins seems to want to continue this feud with Cesaro, probably going to lead to a rematch between those two. You'd imagine Cesaro's going to win that. What What are you thinking here? Because we've been burned before with Cesaro, Alan. Do you think this is finally the time that WWE are going to pull the trigger on this guy? If they don't, let him go, because they're wasting him. Mm-hmm. You've seen the pop he got in Mania. People have been saying for the best part of a decade, give him the run, he's he's had the mid-card run and he's excelled at it, he's had the tag team run with Sheamus at the bar, he excelled at it, give him the world title run, give him it. Um, I mean, the only thing I'd, I'd slightly disagree is I think if he's going to have another match with uh, Rollins, he's going to lose it, so he goes to the best of three. Right, okay. But I would I would love to see him be the guy dethroning Reigns, I would love to see it, but I just get a feeling right now the way they've built Reigns, especially the way he won at Mania, that Reigns just going to surpass the year mark. Mm, it's interesting because you've got Cesaro, you've got E on SmackDown, you know, you've got Rock in the Horizon, so you're not too sure are they going to pull it with Cesaro or is there more story to play out? You know, that's that's the that's the that's the sort of question mark I have. I, I don't doubt that Cesaro does deserve it though. The man is just a machine. Like yeah. he's so good. Yeah, the guy needs to be kind of treated like the way Taker was. I'm not saying he's the same level as Taker, but Taker was never the guy, but he was one of the guys. Mm-hmm. You know, you look back at the attitude either. Cesaro is now should be that level. And no, I've got no problem with him being the guy. I just don't see him ever doing it over Reigns or even Rollins. But him being a world champion or universal champion, give him an under the title, I've got no problem. I actually want to see that. But yeah. treat him as one of the guys now. As you said, Big E deserves to be up there as one of the guys. You've already got Rollins there. You've already got Reigns. Even give Jey Uso a punt because Jey Uso's proved himself. Mm, it's, yeah. it's interesting. People have proved themselves. You talk about that, Alan. The Street Profits, I think, have certainly proved themselves as one of the most entertaining acts, entertaining duos in recent times in WWE. They had a SmackDown tag title match against uh, Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler, the Dirty Dogs. 
uh, as an unknown SmackDown. Street Profits lose that one. Did you think it the same as me that this was a strange booking decision? I thought that the Street Profits would get the titles back sooner rather than later. Um, I'm kind of on the fence on this one. I like, I'd have thought so because the way Bianca says we want to be cold in this house. Hmm. So you think, all right, there we go, they're going to get it. But see, at the same time, I, I just get a sticky suspicion. WWE like the fact they've only got one face holding a championship in WWE right now. Yeah. And also, do they want to have a husband-wife champ as champions right now? I don't know. I don't know if, if they kind of want to keep the two separated with that aspect of one being a champion and one not. Yeah. Maybe play it off down the line in a story or something? No. It's potential. As I said, I'm on the fence because I can see both sides. I, I genuinely don't know. I'm kind of intrigued to see you know, if the Profits do get another shot in the near future and what happens, but I'm, I'm on the fence on that one. Interesting, interesting. Well, we do move on to Monday Night Raw. Um, a lot of things happening concerning uh, Drew McIntyre. Uh, it seems to be coming out uh, of Monday Night Raw <coughs> as the guy. He is the new number one contender uh, to the WWE Championship, which is which is the right decision. But he's asking MVP throughout the night, what is happening with the, the artist formerly known as Mason T-Bar? You know, what's going on? He's like, I don't know anything, but it ends up it's going to be a tag team match later on. Uh, Drew and Braun versus uh, T-Bar and Mace uh, later in the evening. Um, and T-Bar and Mace get unmasked. Where do you see this story going? Do you think Dominic Dijakovic and... Um, I've forgotten. What's the, what's fucking Mace's other real name? Do you do you remember? I've totally forgotten. <laughs> I've forgotten it as well. Uh, so, yeah, what's going to happen with Dijakovic and Mace as I'm now caught on them? Uh, do you think they're members of, of the Hurt business or do you think this is there's something else and all twist to this tale somewhere down the line? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm a huge fan of Dijakovic. I thought Dijakovic would have got a run as NXT Tech Champion before he ever went to quote, the main roster. Um, but I, I wouldn't be calling them the Hurt Business because the Hurt Business, as it was, was brilliant and helped mm. carry the brand. Because Raw's been, let's be honest, piss poor for yeah, so long. Shit, um, I, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be players. They're going to be like on retainer, like the Shield used to be for Paul Heyman. Interesting. Uh, potentially that they could be the the you no know, the dogs that go and do the dirty work for them. I I, I really don't know, but. I kind of worry for them because they're two good guys that are really good technically. They deserve to be, you know, in there as they as they are. But I, I really don't know. Again, kind of defence, which is the best. But I can't, I can't help. I'm just stuck in defence, man. It's comfy. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. You're enjoying it on the fence, man, tonight, and I, I appreciate it. But we do have to talk about, we alluded to this woman earlier, Charlotte Flair. Early in the evening, she cuts a promo. Rhea comes out, Charlotte comes out, calls her a bitch in the, what was by far the moment of the night for me. Uh, and then it's the match. Charlotte gets distracted and loses, but that's not the story here. The story here is that Charlotte then attacks officials, attacks referees in a sort of brutal display. It looks like she's completely lost it. And it's confirmed by Adam Pearson Raw Talk that Charlotte has indeed been indefinitely suspended and fined. How long, Alan, do you think we're going to see Charlotte off TV? And do you think this is a, a strange choice, perhaps, considering the fact that she's not long back from a hiatus previously? She'll probably be back in one day, be honest. <laughs> the way that book it raw, she'll probably be back in one day. But um, it's very weird. I mean, Charlotte will, is a, it's like Cena. She'll never say no to WWE, whatever they want to do, regardless how good, how bad it is, she will do it. 
Yeah. Um, and I think because of our reputation and our history, that I, they, can, they feel they can piss her about a wee bit and bring her down a peg and it'll still be all right. But I don't know. Like, I just think if you're going to utilise a maker of the actual bitch, mm. use her as the bitch. You know, have her run through everyone to get to rear and rear wipes the floor wear, put her back down a peg. You could do it that way, but I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's not really looking right. And then the thing is, the worst thing as well is, I know it sounds so bad, when the, the picture of when Charlotte returned last last, last week or the week before, Aye, and she yeah. standing, everyone's like, that looks like Matt Riddle. It really did look like Matt Riddle from behind. And it looked so bad, and it's so off, but it's like, when I was scrolling through Facebook at first, I'm like, what? Matt Riddle knock out asking? I'm like, oh no, that was Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, what? I, mean, I kind of think don't know what they're doing with Charlotte. It's like it's kind of like the whole show raw. They don't know what the hell they're doing. I don't think they know what they're doing with Charlotte. They don't seem to have a clear direction for the women. I think her character right now is probably right, is what it should have been, but now they seem to be adding this aggression to her. She's unhinged, she's attacking people, she doesn't know what's what, um, and I, I don't get it. I don't get what the end goal here is. You know, where are we wanting Charlotte to go? What is the story? If you're adding Charlotte and ask us already an afterthought, Rhea doesn't really know how to go up against that Charlotte because Rhea's meant to be a heel also, I thought. You know, the dynamics are torn, the lines are torn here. I have no idea what's going on. I don't even know what to say. Because obviously- Rhea's already lost to Charlotte as well. Yeah, and we know that Charlotte's good in ring. I know that, she's good in a promo. But the booking of Charlotte inconsistently over the past couple of years, it's, it's been complete bollocks. It's been complete bollocks. And I'm, I'm sorry, but you can't just take Charlotte Flair off TV again for weeks because she's only just came back. It's really weird. There seems to be a lot with the Andrade stuff going on behind the scenes here. Ric Flair and that angle didn't quite work out. Lacey Evans got pregnant. I understand they had to move things about, but you really need to fix this Charlotte Flair problem because it is becoming a problem because you have some good women in that division, but if they can't get past the fact that you don't know what you're doing with Charlotte Flair, that's a knock-on effect on everyone else. No, absolutely. 100% agree. There's some real top-quality women, female wrestlers, in that division, and you got Charlotte is probably the best of them all, probably won't go down as the greatest of all time when she finally wraps up. Mm. And the fact that you're a top female wrestler, you don't know what to do with her. It's just, it's really quite shocking because back five years ago, that had never happened with any of the top male or female stars. You would, there would have been a plan set in place at least six months in advance before we were going with it. And yeah. Charlotte just, it's, it's kind of like a treat like a jobber, a show jobber, but they're kind of treating it like one. It, the storyline just doesn't make any sense. And, like you said, I'm kind of struggling to grasp where they're going to go with it. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Uh, we do need to talk about something more positive now. Alan, I don't know how much you've got to say to these guys, but I, I fucking love the way on NXT, the, the promos they're doing, the Dexter Loomis story, Indy Hartwell has been great, the interactions between all four of them down to the last person has been fantastic. Are you on board with the way? I am with the way. I love them, they're, they're brilliant. There isn't a weak, I, I thought when they first formed that Indy Hartwell was going to be the weak link, and then you see the way she's reacting to Loomis, you're just like, oh, this is class, this is brilliant. But the way she falls, and yeah. then just picks herself back up. And the bit I love is when she's kind of strolling before she falls, her and Loomis look the same height, and then she falls, and the next thing she's like three inches taller. <laughs> <laughs> you're just going in with yourself. But 
I mean, they're all really good. I mean, Gargano, for me, like, people talk about, you know, Michael's big Mr. WrestleMania. For me, Mr. NXT is Gargano. Yeah. And I know it's a highly, highly debated topic, but when I think NXT, I think Gargano. Because he's carried it when, like, Sir Balor's left, when, you know, like, Champa's been injured, or, you know, other people like Keith Lee have came and gone. He's just remained the constant all the time. And, you know, it's just, they're so good. They're very, very entertaining. Yeah, totally. Even Austin Feeney, when he was like, oh, I've spoke to Mr. Regal, I'll give you that enjoy. He's like, what are you doing? He beat you last week and he's like, he's fine, I've got his number, I've got his number. Like, he plays that, like, idiot joke character really well as well. And Candice yeah. has been... I didn't like Candice as a face, I didn't like Candice as a character for a very long time. But since she turned to you, I've been a huge Lorraine fan. I think this is where our Colin truly lies. Like you say, Alan, big fans of the way. Someone who we're big fans of, I need to say it, let me talk to you. It is L. Hey, Knight, he was in action against the aforementioned Dexter Loomis this week. He manages to get the win. He's been talked about, he's been he's been around the shop for years, NWA, he's been all about the wrestling world. But LA Knight seems to be the name that's on everyone's lips in NXT. That's because he's the real deal. When he came out and that was that he'd signed with NXT, that was a huge coup because I remember talking to like the Stephen and a couple of those saying, I kind of feel the men's division in NXT is quite weak because I know there's a lot of injuries but Karen Cross being injured. Mm-hmm. And this and it, you know, like Keith Lee going up to the main roster, I feel like they're missing some pinnacle stars, guys they can build and you know, grow the company with. And anyway, he appeared, I'm like, he is the catalyst to turn this. And I think, you no, know, NXT you now is a much stronger band, you no know, male and female, since that point. But he is just brilliant, you know, he's a full package. He's yeah. the looks, he's got the, the charisma, his promos are on point, his matches are good. The guy's got the lot. Exactly, exactly. And the thing is, I'm actually, we're probably just going to talk about this whole NXT show, Alan, like, because there's so much in NXT that's amazing right now. And one of those things is Frankie Monet. I, I, I love Taya Val- Valkyrie and Impact. I'm so happy when she came over. <laughs> Did you see this segment with Io Shirai where he was doing the interview with Beth? Uh, Frankie's dog, like, struts across the table. Um, and then she, Frankie turns to Beth Phoenix and said, I've been a fan of yours since I was a child. And Beth sort of looks at her and she's like, oh. And then she realises and sort of double takes the camera. Beth Phoenix is a gem. Frankie Marie is a gem. Io Shirai, who then claims she was a cat person, is a gem. This rivalry between Io and Frankie is going to be something special. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they've been talking after just signed. Well, how are we going to use it? We are going to use it because the women's division, obviously, again, like I mentioned previously, just a couple of months ago, yeah. felt like the men's have started to feel thin. Mm-hmm. And with her coming in, re-energises it, more different dynamics, and she's damn good at what she does. She was brilliant in Impact. She was yeah. really, really good in Impact. And, you know, if she brings half what she did at Impact to NXT, the roster's going to be much better for it. The storyline's going to be much better. You know, I think she's got kind of like early night she's got the full package she can do I mean, she'll be brilliant totally another great things in the, sh- in the show uh, Sari with a successful debut uh, against Zoe Stark who's been making a name for herself also in NXT building up that division some more uh, Kushida defends uh, the title against Pony Lorcan the Cruiserweight title they just won um, Imperium continue to have this story with Kelly and Dane and Drake Maverick, something going on there. But Alan, looking forward to the future, like we had Kyle O'Reilly versus Cameron Grimes, Kyle O'Reilly wins in the end. But Cameron Grimes before the match, 
uh, says that he, he got outbid. Like, this is a storyline thing. He got outbid by a late bid for something he was trying to get from the million dollar man himself, Ted DiBiase. And Ted DiBiase confirmed in Booker T's Hall of Fame podcast, co hosted by the FCL chairman, Brad Gilmore himself. Hi, Brad. Hi, Brad. Love you. Love you so much. Um, he confirmed that Ted Ted is going to be filming some stuff and doing a storyline with Cameron Grimes uh, down the road. Is that something you're excited to see, Cameron Grimes interacting with Ted DiBiase? Absolutely. Ted DiBiase is one of the greatest films ever. I mean, come on, look at this thing. Like, made the kids bounce the ball and they got to ride and they put it. <laughs> you know, and they start that and laughed. <laughs> come on. Just that with Cameron Grimes, it just seems money. Yeah, literally, no pun intended. Money, that's just get that just brilliant. And Teddy Yash is one of the greatest of all time. He's he, he is so charismatic, great heel. Cameron Games is a good heel as well, but he'll help coming and grow that heel character, make her even more hated. You know, it, it, I think it's been brilliant, absolutely. Oh, yeah. 100%. It's, it's, it's wonderful. It's magical. It's beautiful. Magical. Da, 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 da. And I do think that Cameron Grimes can take this rivalry. Say it with me, Alan. To the moon! To the moon! It's going to be amazing. I can't wait. Alan, thank you so much for showing up in Central with me today. It was a it was a fun show. Are you looking forward to doing some more wrestling content in the near future? I am I am now officially back. The most hated man in podcasting is back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to put some records straight, and I'm going to put one right now. Spoiler alert! Something I will divulge was in the group chat. You and Ross were talking about Kyler Riley. Mm-hmm. I completely disagree. Kyler Riley has got main event potential. Wow. He's got the only thing I obviously came out like a wish version of Orange Cassidy this week. <laughs> the only thing I genuinely ruins Kyler Riley right now is. His engines, not the music, he's, the way he comes to the ring. He doesn't, he looks like he doesn't know what he's doing. He can't do the guitar yeah. thing. And there's a guitarist, yeah, right? I know a good air guitar player when I see one. Yeah, totally. But he looks like he's trying to stop having a seizure while he's walking. It's just like. I know. Like, no, he, this, this is it. It's, the presentation is all wrong. You yeah. know? See, they fix that. And I've, I've been seeing it to like the Quacko and Dan, you know, when we were watching TakeOver or WrestleMania. I think he's got, he's changed his look a wee bit, he's, I think he's got the main event there, he's good enough to be the guy who can help carry the company of it. I just think they need to fix, just tweak a wee bit here, with his, how he comes to the ring, not his music, I quite like his music, catchy. <laughs> and I think he's got it, I think he could be the, the, the guy in NXT, he can be up there with carrying cross. Well, we need to see how things go with that. But thank you guys for tuning in this week to ESSR Central. But next week, like I said, uh, ICW Scottish Wrestling Imports will be discussed on Tuesday in the feature show. A lot of content coming out elsewhere on ESSR. But until then, goodbye from me and from Alan McLucas. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McRobbie. We are the hosts of the monthly show on Eastwood Retreat East Meets West where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check that out on the Eat, Seek, Suicide, Receipt podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now.